Hello, and welcome to On Staging, a community theater-focused discussion podcast highlighting the development and staging of community theater productions in Calgary and surrounding area. I'm Kyle Gould, and today I'm joined by Katie Furnell and Logan Coots. Logan is an established performer with Dudney Players, performing in The Full Monty, The 39 Steps, Serial Offenders, and likely many more that I was not able to immediately track down on the internet, and is also the former morning host of the Okotoks radio station, The Eagle. Katie Fresnel is the festival director for the Okotoks Film Festival and is the producer for the forthcoming Dudney Players production of Henry V. You've heard Katie on On Staging before as one of the guests on our premiere episode as the director for Dudney Players production of Twelfth Night. Katie, Logan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this is an exciting thing for me to do because we're going to sit down and talk today about erratic players and a little bit, because it's not fully developed yet, we're not there yet for talking about how it's coming together, a little bit about Murder at Twin Cities Saloons written by Jay Newman, because auditions are starting this next week for that, correct? Yeah, so... uh, Although you're already casting people, I can see, so let's... Let's talk a little bit about erratic players and then a little bit about murder at Twin Cities Saloon and see how things are going there. Who is Erratic Players? So the Erratic Players is a collection of theater artists who just want to get together and do some theater. And we also focus a bit on making sure that our artists are getting paid. So I know yeah, that you do more of a community theater thing, but this is kind of we're, what we're trying to be, I guess, is the next step towards professional theater Yep. as far as a collection of people who just want to do. So theater is it a collection together. of individuals that you've already built together and no. grouped up or and who is all involved in the formation of erratic players? Currently, Logan and I. <laughs> it is still in its infancy. But an exciting project, and it is cool to see it so small and already find its feet and already start moving. So when you sat down and said, I want to make a theater company, did you have a list of like how many show what shows you wanted to do and what you really wanted to get out of it? Or was it like we need to find people and get find a way to get them paid? Yeah, it was kind of more we have to find people and find a way to get them paid because of the murder at Twin Cities Saloon play because we were approached by the owner of the Twin Cities Saloon in Longview, and he said, I want to do a murder mystery. He approached Logan first, Mm -hmm. and then Logan said... Okay, so who is this person, and when did that happen? He is fantastic. So the owner is Chris Goss, and he owns the Twin Cities in... uh, or the Twin Cities Saloon in Longview, and he had reached out through a mutual friend to me saying, hey, I have this crazy idea. I want to do a murder mystery. My uh, hotel and uh, saloon here is wildly haunted and I want to do something with that. And immediately I was like, well, are you thinking like murder mystery, the show or murder mystery, like the party game? And he said, well, I didn't know about the show, but let's try that. And so I immediately reached out to the one of the more spooky people and production oriented people that I know, Katie. Okay, uh, so you immediately reached out like on the drive back from Longview. Where did this set me up here? When you okay. met with Chris, was it via email? Online? Via email. Yeah, oh, okay. he reached out over email uh, with a uh, mutual friend through the local newspaper. Okotoks Online or the Western Wheel? Uh, Western Wheel. Okay. Yeah. And so it was pretty much like, all right, hey, Katie, thank you. I'm looping in Katie on this send off and immediately uh, began. Oh, okay. So we did a a couple of the murder mystery party games, Mm -hmm. but his mind after hearing, 
oh, we can make this a show, like a murder mystery dinner theater style show. He was dead set on it. That's what he wanted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you had to go figure that out. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> we kind of have said in uh, private conversations that Chris is a drama kid who never knew he was. Right. And he is so excited about what theater can do in his space and about the idea of being involved in the theater arts. He's done a lot with music because he does own a bar and he's worked with musicians a lot and he loves that. But he's like so excited about the different aspects of theater. and. Sometimes he'll say things like, but you have to memorize all the all the lines. And we're like, yeah, yeah, you have to memorize the lines. And then other times he'll get like just so excited about how it's coming together in the addition process. But then he like tries to pull himself away from the theater side of things. And we're like, no, Chris, you can you can be part of the theater process. That's that's OK. So he's just really excited. And he keeps talking about one thing that he's so excited about, which is that by doing theater in his space, He's still bringing art in the same way he is with musicians, but he's also bringing an audience that's 100% engaged in the art he's bringing in. Because he finds when he brings in musicians, while it's a great added value to the bar, people just come and have a beer and they ignore the band. Right. Because they just hear it's background noise. Whereas theater can't be that. And that's what he's really excited to capture. Oh, okay. And so with... The creation of this show, I was like, well, we have to do something with this. So let's roll back then, too, because it sounds like some other things have happened before the creation of the show. So first, you got an email from Chris. You fired it over to Katie. The two of you started talking about it. And then what happened? Was there a phone call or a meeting in person? What happened next? Yeah, there's a few meetings. We had a flawed Zoom call at first and decided, now we got to do this in person. Yeah. One thing about Chris, you can't meet him over zoom Um, (laughs) okay that's just a bad way to talk to chris he is a gentleman of his time and refuses to move forward from the time that he was young in (laughs) so we met in longview uh there was a crew of us we wanted to get the idea of you know the space the history of the space who all went it was the two of us uh kathy uh, who is our uh, mutual friend from the newspaper and chris himself so there's a the core of us got together hammered out some ideas gave us the history of the hotel it is haunted that's for sure and we started getting some ideas oh should we write something original should we come up with idea and ultimately i guess one other thing that added to what kind of happened and how this evolved into what it is now, which we'll get to, is Chris was approached by Travel Alberta Mm -hmm. to come up with a new event type thing that Travel Alberta had money to fund. What Travel Alberta did a kind of bad job of explaining is that that was grant money and you had to apply for it and you had to get it. And they had a very limited amount of funds. They made it sound like they had money just for anybody who had an idea. And so that's kind of where Chris's attitude towards creating an idea first came from. And he asked me, because he knew that I'd applied for grants with the film festival before, to create the grant that we did the application for. It turned out that Travel Alberta got so excited about the fact that they had funds to give away that they told hundreds of things that they could apply for it. And really, they only had the funds for like 10. Right. So that meant that we actually didn't get the grant. But now the idea was set and we had written the grant based on the, okay, so if we bring in this many artists, we'll pay them like this with the grant money, we'll bring in our writer and have them 
get a certain amount of the money as well. And then we'll bring in all these different pieces to have this fully paid show. And we didn't get it. And Chris asked me for coffee immediately following the rejection and said, I still want to find a way to make this work. Right. And I was like, well, okay, let's let's start working on it. And so I applied for funding from the AFA. We didn't get- When all did this start? I guess is the other picture yeah. too, because we're talking in December of 2023 right now. Things yeah. are moving forward. But when did all of this begin? When did uh, this first email from Chris get uh, across your desk? I want to say October- Last, last year? year. Or was it earlier than October? Because no, I remember the first murder mystery game we did with them was in February. Yeah. Okay, so we, that's what I was wondering about yeah. too, because you hinted at that as well. So you've had this meeting, you applied for the grant, you got rejected on the grant, I'm assuming that was pretty quick yeah, in that, that process. came around um, within a month that Travel Alberta had said, no, we actually don't have this money. But you still, there was still all this energy and excitement for this project. You wanted to write something. You wanted to find a bunch of players to pay. You wanted to get a production team together for it. You had the venue and an excited uh, venue host to put this together, which is, Insane. you know, when you make theater, one of the things you absolutely have to have is a venue. Mm -hmm. You've got the venue that's locked down. And it sounds like such a crazy, wonderful, neat place to do a show in. And then on top of that, you then decided to, you know, do some testers. Well, what did that look like? And how was that involved in February of this year? The testers. So the murder mysteries were just like those pre-built ones that you can get online. Um, the ones in a box? Yeah, just okay. murder mystery in a box. Uh, he had had a couple Christmas parties and some private get-togethers. Uh, we've done, I think it was two or three of them, just to get a feel of the space, how many people could we get in there. It was kind of a nice trial run for food uh, for their kitchen of, you know, can we get salads out at this time, food, and then desserts out at this time. Uh, and they went really well. Were they well attended? Yeah, they were pretty well attended. That's great. Uh, and how many performers did you have in each of these? These these were just the one person you solved it yourself. Okay. Yeah, so the murder mystery kind of in a box. So uh, there was a host, and then yes. everybody who was having dinner kind of would solve it yeah. together, and there was just one host. Yeah. Very different from what you're about to experience. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. so okay. that's what Chris had heard about and known about. And then he did a couple of those. The idea the, of making a show had already been talked about at this point. And he's like, okay, well, he, he's seen how this works. Now, what does a real show look like? And I, you took him out to a, uh, a Calgary yeah, we, show. We took him to Jubilation's Dinner Theater. To say, oh, okay. this is our show. idea of what we want to do. Right. And when did that happen? Oh, yeah. So that was right after we brought Jay on. So we brought Jay on, I'd say, probably shortly after Logan was the host of those murder mystery games. Okay. So you were the host. It was March, February that you had a bunch of these games. You went and saw exactly. Jubilation's Dinner Theater, brought Chris out from Longview to Calgary for that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we had, uh, so it was myself, Jay, Chris, and uh, Jay's wife. And we watched the Jubilations one to kind of get the flow of dinner theater is what we were watching it for, but also to show Chris, this is, this is what we mean. Yeah. And I would say, yeah, that was March, April, maybe that we did the Jubilations dinner theater. And then Chris was like, yes, let's go ahead. Let's make this happen. Start writing the show. Right. And he put us in contact. He has a ghost hunter that comes regularly to his space. So he put us in Who is that? I know. Her name is Bonnie Milner. Alberta Ghost Hunters is what the company is called. 
we were put in contact with Bonnie from Alberta Ghost Hunters by Chris because he's worked with her doing a few seances and uh, experiences at his venue because this guy is just willing to try new ways of entertaining people. And they would come and just stay overnight and track ghosts and see what they could find in the space and always had activity. So she told us about a bunch of the actual activity and experiences that she's had, some stories that she's gathered from people who were in the venue. And then we also thought it was important that we connect with the Highwood Center in High River, Mm -hmm. which is uh, a more concrete history, I guess, is the way to say that. It's less, this is the experience and more, this is, these are the people that actually might correlate to the experiences that people are having as far as the ghost experiences are concerned. And verified, surprisingly verified some of the stuff that Bonnie was telling us. And then also really lifted Chris up as his own uh, expertise on his uh, specific venue. And really saying, no, he knows his history and this is accurate and this is accurate. Some things that we didn't think would actually be verified and that I'm going to wait for the actual show because the script is written and uses a lot from those conversations to give information, actual history, along with supernatural history, along with just a really goofy comedy show. And so that was kind of our summer was spent having these meetings, writing the script, rewriting the script, doing read throughs. And that kind of brings us to where we are now. We can't, we can't get to now because we yeah. haven't introduced one of the key players yet. I'd like to know more about who Kathy is and Kathy's mm-hmm. first meeting and where she fits with regards to erratic players currently. But then you've also mentioned a fella named Jay mm-hmm. and his wife and whatnot. Yes. And I don't doubt you mean Jay Newman. I do. The mean Jay writer Newman. of Murder at Twin Cities Saloon. Jay has been writing nonstop for forever. His book, The Killing Farm, it's for sale and you can pick it up and it's a great, wonderful little read. I highly recommend it if you haven't read it yet. Jay will even go out of his way to sign it for you. Yes, <laughs> you pick he will. up a copy of it for from him. You can't stop him if you get close to him. I'm kidding. Exactly. I keep asking him to sign more copies for me. <laughs> That's great. And so Jay's written a ton of stuff. He's pitched a ton of shows to a ton of different companies throughout the years. He's pitched, you know, like at least seven different pantomimes to Morpheus Theater. The man is constantly writing at all times, it seems, every different show. So did you know Jay beforehand? How did you connect yeah. with Jay and then bring him on as the writer for this? So I actually had directed him and Logan both in the Scottish play when I did that with Dutney Theatre back in March of 2019. And when you say the Scottish play, you mean Macbeth. I do mean Macbeth. <gasps> because we are not in a theatre. Okay. And you good. can say these words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, keep up, uh, theatre audience. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, people might not know what you're talking about who are listening oh, to no, this. No, My I'm mom totally will be like, it. who? <laughs> the, what? the what? The what? There is that short play that is called the Scottish play. Yes just to mess with everybody. (laughs) So we did that show back in 2019. He played Macduff. And right almost immediately after that, I actually got approached by Samantha Duff, who was the artistic director of Gujar Pink Family Theater. Okay. And she approached me because she went, you just navigated through a 16-actor show. Do you want to do a panto for me? And I'm not sure how she connected with Jay if he overheard her or what. But like you say, Jay will pitch a panto. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. And he said, I have a pantomime. Do you want to look at it? I have several. Yes. And so that resulted in me 
directing Jay's pantomime, which was called The Fellowship of the Swing. Yep. In 2020, we did The Return to the Swing, which was a online COVID version of the play that was using Zoom to redo the show. And it was pre-shot and then edited. But as it should be. As a, as a Zoom call. And then we also did another show of Jay's when I was with Gujar Pink Family Theater and I was directing all the time with them. We did another show called CSI Cinderella's Story Investigated. And Jay wrote that one as well. So I knew his humor. I had directed shows with him. I had directed first shows of Jay's before. I'd worked with him on like, give me a rewrite. So he was just a playwright that I knew really well and also trusted to write a really funny show. So that's why he was brought on for this particular show right away because we're like, who do we know who can write a brand new show in a brand new theater space Right. that correlates the actual venue and the history and the ghosts all into one as well as doing murder mystery. So that's why we approached him right away. And he was like, 100%. Yes. <laughs> so was that a phone call, an email? Did you drive over to his house and knock on the door? Was it a chocolate? I'm, I'm, <laughs> mad, I'm mad that I didn't just go knock on his door <laughs> because that's a better story. But yeah, no, I just sent him a message on Facebook. Okay. So Facebook Messenger as everyone deals their business nowadays <laughs> in you reach out to him his immediate response was 100 percent yes absolutely yeah and then discussions began over the summer how many times did jay have to go out to the saloon in longview to have a look and get a feel for the thing how much did jay interact with bonnie milner during this uh it was all all together all at the same time yeah i think jay went out a couple of times without us just to go to the saloon and re-look at it and yeah. he'd just go for dinner and then sit in his car and write yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and he just you know finish that scene <laughs> and then he was, he's like oh shoot i put the door over here and so like, go and rewrite it oh okay right away yeah, yeah every time we went to the museum or when we went up to see bonnie it was the crew of us coming in asking questions jay writing like a madman oh, trying to retain all the info. Yeah, basically during the summer, it was Logan, Jay, and I. And then we did the two read-throughs where we brought in more people who we were considering casting for the show at the time. And you workshopped it. And we workshopped the show. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't a read-through so much as it was like a workshop with the intent of like, okay, I want this to be done this way. Let's make sure we, we aren't forgetting anything. And did you have a dramaturge or anybody handling that? Well, it was kind of um, myself being a lot of our dramaturge on some things. The first one that we did was checking with Chris to make sure that he was okay with the way the show was going and also just to hear it and hear how jokes were playing and get the outside view of the actors who had never read the show before. Right. The second time we did the read through, we did a semi-staged reading. Okay. So we invited a few audience members and the audience members, there's... um. A couple of people who do theater out in Longview at another venue called Blue Hill Lodge. And they came to watch the show. We had the gentleman from Travel Alberta, because we were still holding on hope that they were going to have some money for us that magically mm-hmm. appeared. We had the two people who, who are organizing the High River Performing Arts Foundation. We had Irene Kerr from the museum. We invited Bonnie. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to come. But just kind of a collection of people who were in some way related to the show actually also the actors who had read it the first time with the exception of logan whose part was set because it was like logan is playing gary (laughs) but 
we brought in a different set of four actors to put on top of the show the second time and invited the actors who'd heard the show the first time and read through it to get feedback from people and also see how solvable the mystery was. Did you have a codified question series, uh, like a sheet of questions that you wanted the people who were watching to answer? Like, was it a really structured, like, workshop? Not necessarily just a read-through? Or was it more of a read-through than a workshop? It was kind of more of a read-through with a survey at the end. Okay. Where we said, give us your feedback on this. And it was things like... How easy did you find it to solve the crime? At what point did you feel like you knew the answer to the crime? So things like that, that related directly over to the actual show, but was asking for feedback from the audience more so than you would with a completed show. Right. Yeah. And so did it, did it have to go through much of a rewrite and any working on it? the first or? one might have. The first one went through quite a few big ones. The second one had some little tweaks and stuff like that. And there's still a few things that I can see us improving upon as the show gets into rehearsal. But I think we kind of decided after the read through and from the feedback we were getting from the audience that we were very close. There was just a few details to iron out. But when we get to rehearsal, we'll find out if it's script or if it is intention and which way... Do we have to go to get the show where it needs to be? Well, if it's intention, you need to fix your script no matter what. If it's a script, it's a script. And if it's intention, you need to fix a script so that it reads that intention more easily because otherwise it's yeah, it's it's not clear, right? And I definitely agree, but it's just kind of like, is that character motive that makes that line suspicious or is it the line is suspicious? Yeah. Or is the line not suspicious enough? So those sort of things. Right, absolutely. Everything, yeah. Everything's words. Everything can be finessed. Exactly. It'll all come out in the wash. There's a lot of talk about plays that uh, don't have any stage direction. There's right. no s- shouted. There's nothing like that. And if there is, then you as the director should tear Just all of those things right out, out of yeah. it and then put your own feeling into it. Christopher Walken removes all punctuation from his lines, period. He's like, no, I will. That I, was, that was I, a very I will funny read joke. It. Yeah. <laughs> he removes <laughs> all punctuation, period. <laughs> yes. Like you just, he will find the way to read it for himself with his own f- measure of punctuation. I think that's why he comes across so strange sometimes in his cadence and the way he says things is because he refuses to accept any punctuation choices that from were made the writer. By the writer. What does the writer know? You're, you're prefacing my intention with a comma or an ellipsis or co- air quotes, anything of that kind. Uh, so it's interesting to note, and Shakespeare himself has but one a line of uh, stage direction, of stage direction yeah. period yep. in what, like 35 plays, right? So yeah. that's that's nuts to think. And the only reason that is uh, Exit Man Pursued by Bear is because that was timed to have, have the bear, bear yep. no, the bear pits just down the street would always roar around that time in the show. And he, because he'd been writing for so long, finally said, let's throw this in there. And the bear would roar and he would flee and they would react as though the bear was close by so amazing hilarious that that is interesting to note that we're we're talking about intention and we're talking about the show itself that way it'll breathe life every time you do it into or a new director takes hold of it it becomes a new and individual thing is that possible with this production like because at the end of the day Hmm. erratic players will have created this thing but it seems so very specific to a very particular place both historically and physically 
Could it be done anywhere else? I don't think so. There are references to the history of the building. There's history connected to the people that had passed away there, the ghosts that are there. If you go to a different place, they're not there anymore. So you could do this show somewhere else, but the setting maybe has to be understood that, all right, we are in the Twin Cities Saloon. So I guess maybe if you are bringing the Twin Cities Saloon along to another location, it won't have the same hit. Yeah, and it is designed to be the dinner theater. So the characters even say, they're like, yeah, you all look hungry. Uh, Have dinner. Right, but you could do it up at at Jubilations or Stage West. That's both dinner theater there. Could this show be done at either of those two production facilities? And get the same impact? No. Well, I, I wouldn't say it would be a different impact no yeah. matter what. It'll be a different impact when somebody else directs it down the road, too. And that's where I want to go with next is that you do have the intent to be running this every like Wednesday to Sunday in February. It's yep. going up. And that is a big run yeah, for is. a lengthy performance. And we'll talk to that in a moment here. But then what happens at the end of February? Well, actually, the intention right now, as far as the erratic players goes, is to create another show for the Twin Cities. Yeah, get ready for the next one. And use the space again. There's some other pieces of history that we discovered in a lot of the research that we were doing and the talks that we had about the building and the space and the community around it that lend itself to other shows of this similar style, but that are a completely different and new show with a new cast and a new approach to the story, I guess. So that's, I think, the next step after this is it's like we kind of are capturing the show in this moment. And I don't know if it does have a life beyond it. And Mm -hmm. that's not really its intention is to keep doing this same show for years. Right. It's to do it, get it done, move on to the next project. But you then have this property and it's an asset and it's worth money. And so it's worthwhile to consider, do do put this down, is to say, can we pitch this show to Stage West? Is this something that... Because at the end of the day, who owns this production? Is it Jay Newman's work that he then submits his rights and you've purchased the rights to it? Or is this something that is owned by erratic players? And I think... The first one is more of the truth. Where that it's it Jay Newman's to Jay Newman production yeah. and you've purchased the rights to make use yeah. of it for this set period of time. And if Jay wants to go and pitch it to Stage West and Jubilation Theater and all of the other ones that do dinner theater in and around and go from there. Yeah. Great. Who Have you already started looking at the writing of the next production? Because as a production company, you can't live yeah. in on the show, show that you're doing yeah. right yeah. now. You go. For the next one? Yeah. Yeah. So... Do we want to give it away? Lemon mine? Sure. Yeah, do it. <laughs> now you've done it. The lemon mine? So in... Yeah, I mean, you don't have to get specific yeah. about it, but you have to say like, yeah, no, of course, we're already on target. This is what we're planning on doing. We have a show in the works. Um, you can tell me whatever you, yeah. you... Whatever degree of depth you want to go into, this is only going to be listened to by like 50 people and maybe five <laughs> years down the road, 500 people will have heard it. No, we're not talking yeah. a huge... Mm-hmm. Well, a huge, it, ven- a huge, huge audience here. Southern Alberta is so rich with story because it's rich with resources, history, people that have come through. There is an endless list of 
interesting stuff that has happened. And the more we dig into one story, something else pops up. And I'm sure as we dig more into our next one, which uh, we've already got ideas for, and I believe Jay is already well into writing a really interesting story, we'll come up with another idea on something. Like the Sundance Kid was down there. The Bayou Ranch was down there. There's a lemon mine down there. There's people looking for gold down there. Like it's one that leads to the next, which leads to the next. And it's exciting to see that like we haven't even cast the show completely yet at the time of this recording and we've got the next idea. Oh, yeah, your open Chris, auditions are still three days yeah, away. Yeah. And Chris is like, oh, well, what do we got for the next one? What do we have for the next one after that? Right. So it's interesting to think it's almost like a, a residency in Longview, yeah. Alberta of just interesting stories that are have been told and are getting told year after year after year after year. Chris kind of keeps mentioning things like, okay, so you're coming the next back, show, right? Or yeah. 10 years from now and stuff like that. He's so excited about the potential of having theater in his space that he keeps trying to make it bigger. And so he's already looking to the next one, which is encouraging us to look to the next one before we've even started rehearsal on this one. Let alone, so have you got your small business license? What is Erratic Players in regards to their their formal structure for a business? Yeah, so as far as the formal structure of the business, we aren't even a not-for-profit, and that... That takes time. Is, yes, So mm-hmm. you, exactly. you apply for charitable status from exactly. the beginning, so... Oh my gosh, yes. And the intention is that we are more of a theater collective than we are a not-for-profit or a charity or anything like that. And because of that, that means that when we're applying to grants for AFA, we're actually applying as an individual artist as opposed to as a group. And the money that comes to erratic players, if it's over and above what it costs to put on the show, goes straight into the performer's pockets, straight into the playwright's. Right. So then what did you do for the company perspective of it? We just made a logo. That's all you've got? That's all we got is That's a logo. all you've got so far? Yeah. Because you'll definitely... It's our infancy, yeah. Right. You're definitely going to want to to get together with an accountant and start talking because oh, yeah. it seems like it's not going to be a small amount of money coming in your way. And you're going to want to make sure everybody gets paid, yeah. which means you're going to want to make sure everybody gets taxed. So... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the and government it, come down on you. It, it kind of, yeah, becomes sort and of the And the business thing of, the of theater. Contract of it. The business of theater collective is not an easy thing to do. No. But I have a great number of contacts if you'd like to speak to anybody about what it takes to be a professional theater company who puts on shows like this and pays their performers and what sort mm-hmm. of contracts do you need to have because con- you will want to contract these performers because you're paying them. Oh, yes, right? absolutely. And that's going to be really important. So if you have any questions following this interaction <laughs> Thank you. i can put you in touch with all of those people because you're realizing a dream yeah you're putting things in place and as soon as money gets involved people are different about it yeah. and if you guys are putting together this show and you have a, a month-long production every february from here until kingdom come that is going to result in capital there's there's yeah that that's an asset. There's resources there. There's money there. And people are going to want their part of that of that pie. And that's just going to be the way of it. So let's make sure that you're as protected as you possibly Absolutely. can be. Thank you. But 
you've got a logo, you've got yeah. a name, yeah. you are erratic players. Yeah. Uh, you've purchased the rights to that, or can I go along and just become erratic players if I want to? You could Did probably you? write oh, this. Please oh no! Please don't. No, do your <laughs> do your nuance search and get your get your those pieces done right away because erratic players is a, such a cool term. But people who are listening to this podcast might not know what that means yeah. because they might think that you just wander about and you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> what? You, is that not coming across right now? Or you're some sort of improv troupe who does things erratically when yeah. I know, being from Okotoks myself, what that word means and why you chose it. Yeah. Tell me, that. how did you come upon the name The Erratic Players? Well, it is indirect reference to The Okotoks Erratic, which is a large rock or uh used to be one large rock it's uh, many smaller pieces now but just outside of okotoks alberta which is where okotoks gets its name I'll really be cool more history clear there. and specific yeah. in this it is in fact the largest glacial deposit rock in all of north america yeah yep. came from jasper the world even further like right up <laughs> right up there <laughs> Yeah. So it's cool that it has a double meeting. Erratic Players is just fun to think about. Like you said, it's just a bunch of artists running around, but reference to our home and a big, big, big rock. And I, that's also like erratics don't move. They have yeah. they they don't move of their of their own volition and free will. They are carried somewhere, and so the fact that you've taken your name and means that you're you want to not only be around for a very long time because an erratic has been there from the glaciers period, right? Like they were carried yeah. down by the glaciers, dropped off, and when the glaciers receded, they were left here. So that's saying a lot all on its own there as to why you are the erratic players. You've been carried here by the winds of fate and you're here to stay and That's there exactly may be it. some falling because they literally the glacial deposit rock in okotoks the big rock right in smack between black diamond and okotoks which is okotoks is a first nations word for big rock in yep. the place of the big rock the uh, the big rock there actually fell over 200 feet if you can imagine where it is now, wow. that it was actually 200 feet in the air where the glacier carried it. And then as the glacier receded, it slowly fell to where it is now. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Amazing. You used yep. to be able to climb all over it. Yes. And then they put up a fence. And then they put up a tiny little <laughs> fence and said, please don't. And then you climbed all and over it and over you would it. still climb over it. And then they put up a six foot chain link fence <laughs> and people are still climbing all over it. We are human. We yep. see a big rock. We need to be on it. I need to surmount it. <laughs> what are mountains for? Exactly. And so not only that, but you are now going to be the erratic players and you're going to mount a bunch of shows because mm -hmm. that's what you want to do. So who all is involved in this collective beyond the two of you? Jay. Well, <laughs> that stands to reason. <laughs> People we've cast so far. Yes, we have Anne-Marie Cotton and Daniel Rose. I actually worked with both of them through... Gujarping Family Theater. They have actually both done Jay shows before. Dan did The Fellowship of the Swing, The Return to the Swing, and Cinderella. And Anne-Marie did Cinderella. And Anne-Marie and I have started working together very closely during... We did The Tortoise and the Hare with Gujarping, and then we've kind of done a whole bunch of projects together since then. And Dan is a phenomenal actor who just is always wanting to do more. He's a great, great character actor. And so we're really excited to have both of them 
cast already, and they were both cast because during those read-throughs, both of them came and were part of the read-through process, and we just really liked the way they read the characters, and well, I guess Anne-Marie, we really liked the way she read that character. Mm -hmm. Dan, we saw the potential for another character and had a rewrite done that changed the gender of one of the characters Mm -hmm. to uh, thwart gender norms and have the role available to Dan, which is just a really good comic fit and also keeps him and Logan working really closely together, which they're both really good friends and have worked together on a number of projects as well. That's a joy of having wonderful actors. An actor so good that you're like, oh man, we gotta gotta fit something around you. Like this works way too well. So it's cool. And do you have your stage manager? Do you have what's who's how, helping Me. out with the production of everything? So the way we're approaching it is I am the director, but I'm going to flip over into the stage manager. I'm also the main producer with Chris also producing the show alongside right. me. Are there any other producers? No, it's really just the two of us. Well, Logan, I guess, is a producer as well because he's been along for the whole ride and kind of was the reason Chris Associate I... junior producer. Exactly. Yeah, I like don't, it. Don't yeah. raise him to the... No, no, don't raise not. him all the way up <laughs> yeah, there. He's never done it before. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I just smile. <laughs> but yeah, between Chris and I... Chris kind of more executive producer, me more of the artistic producer of the whole project. And um, between that is really the team currently. Wow. And so the intent is to develop into more than a collective. Will you then develop a board of directors so that you have a treasurer and a secretary and all those other components that come with it? Or is that something you're going to wait to see what happens after the success of this first show? Yeah, kind of the wait and see what happens, see what we need and how available the collective is to be run as actually just independent artists that are kind of needing an umbrella name or is it turning more into a like, okay, this group of people is constantly doing shows together and what does that mean as far as do we need a board of directors? Are we for profit? Are we not for profit? Are we a charity? Where do we fit in the grand scheme of things? And so right now we're basically a company in name because we're just a bunch of artists who are coming together with an idea to make a show happen. For this show to occur. Yeah. Mm. Similar to a, you know, most fringe shows at their first show. Dependent. Yeah. Because some a lot a lot of times fringe shows are spin-offs from other fringe shows too. Yeah, exactly, so yeah. there is that component there as well. That's pretty cool. You have a lot of work ahead of you. I very much thank and appreciate the two of you for coming on today to talk about this. I'm looking forward to meeting up maybe towards the end of January to talk more specifically about murder at Twin Cities Saloon and maybe bring Jay along to have that conversation because I think that it's something worthwhile to come down and see. But if people wanted to get involved with erratic players, are you looking for people to manage properties and costume design and whatnot? Is that something you're still looking for for your production team? Or are you pretty set and ready to go for this? At this point with this show, we're pretty set and ready to go with this. We do, of course, have our auditions. We've got two characters still to cast. And that was based on availability after the read-throughs, who we could continue to work with or who we have it's a, a big we, ask we yeah. have a huge ask because it is the entire month of february yep. with two days off each week and that's that's it so it is a full-time job it is it's a You're full-time literally job taking on a full-time job for the month of february and really a little january bit of january as, january as well, well yeah. too, because, because you have your tech week we have well more rehearsals. so than our tech week our rehearsal process we're actually 
only doing two and a half weeks of rehearsals. And because yeah. of that, we're doing daytime, full-time rehearsal. Right. I mean, you're right paying the these people to do it. You exactly. should have every expectation of a professional-esque level, but you're not paying them to the point of equity or dot equity even. So absolutely, you're going to get what you get. Exactly. Yeah. But, so it's kind of that weird, I'm going to say semi-pro where yeah. we're not professional <laughs> no, no, yeah. theater, but we're not, we're still like, you are getting money. <laughs> An honorarium. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's gonna... So yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> That's amazing. It has been really interesting as a person that has only ever acted in shows to see behind the scenes and see something from a literal shot in the dark email of hey we have an idea is this something to the point where we have a show we have people in in the show and we are getting ready to do the show that process has been fascinating to see it's so much work isn't it it's a lot of work and you, you are constantly thought. learning yeah everything you think you know things and eventually you're just like, well, it, the ball is rolling. Let's just roll oh, with it. Oh, you're young. You're, that, that, I got it's so that. fun. Like, you, you think you know things. Like, no, you don't know anything. <laughs> but, but you're young yet. So you're initially walking into things thinking like, I know everything. I can figure this stuff out. This is easy. And then you're like, oh, wow. No. Surprise. And what's you know. funny is that you haven't even hit the hard part yet with the marketing and getting butts and seats because you need people to pay for dinner and come see the show. That's nice. the whole purpose. Yeah. of existence yeah. here is you've done the work to make the thing happen now you have to make sure that people want to come and see it yes absolutely and what's been hard about this process for you i think you are both allowed to say everything and also <laughs> allowed to say to, to think through on that matter as well it's the actual finding the financing right completely on it and i know that's like always a thing with art i mean i've done a lot of shows from the producer standpoint and i do the festival so i've been looking for the money all the time uh, and i know i've you know thrown travel alberta under the bus but the blow of not getting the travel alberta money and having to completely rethink it was difficult yeah because it was hard to be like okay how do we change the scope of what we're doing and still be as impressive as we want to be. And I think we did get there, but that was a moment of like, why are we even doing this? We should yeah, just stop. That's a crushing, a crushing bit of despair to not get that funding that you felt was pledged and promised. Yeah. Is the grant gone or is it something that you can apply for for next year? Is it something that you can reach out to work with Travel Alberta to get them to do something? Because this seems like such a useful, important, especially to Longview component where Southern Alberta is not seeing a lot of uh, effort and attention from our, our Alberta government. Yeah, I guess they're still excited at travel alberta about the project which they've always said they were yeah There's, that's great i don't i i but, can i can so i yeah. can pay so many bills with your exactly, excitement exactly right right <laughs> especially that's when exactly they might it. not even come see it so there's a possibility of us demanding more ways of looking at the money i know that chris is less interested in chasing that money now and he's more excited about us changing gears because the gear we shifted to was the alberta foundation for the arts right which is part of why the collective ended up with a name in the first place yep. so we changed gears that way and that i think is now where our focus is with travel alberta we're like sure we'll take your advertising if you're gonna free free advertising but if you're gonna ask us to pay for it we're not gonna use travel alberta <laughs> right that's too bad so yeah kind of gone and so now you've been through this the first time Logan, what would you have done differently if you had it all to do over again? I have no idea, man. 
I, yeah? yeah, we're I not know. there yet. Yeah, okay. no, I. This well, has been. You can an tell in- me when the show is done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when the show is done, I might have something different, and I can think back. Oh, we should have done it this way. But like having gone through the first time, it's like, oh, well, that's the way you do it. I like that. That was cool. Or we didn't get that. That sucked, but that seems normal, I guess. Okay, and on to the next just project or the next thing to work on. Yeah, so I don't know what I would do differently having only one experience with it. Since you've mentioned High River once here, is the intent for Erratic Players to not just use their cemented, we've got this saloon in Longview, we're putting up shows there, but to then look to High River and some of the things that are there and and start to formulate and and use the success case of Longview when it's run and done to then start pitching to these other smaller towns that are in the area to start to say, hey, you know, we did this thing here. We could put something together here for you. Is that something yeah, you're absolutely. ready to do? That really is something that we do want to do. And we've already kind of put some, I guess, seeds in the ground on that, which is when I mentioned that the High River Performing Arts Foundation and the venue were invited to come to the read through that was partly because I know them as an organization are constantly looking for shows to be done. Um, Right now they have an outdoor space. They're hoping to have an indoor space. So they're constantly looking for other companies to bring shows in and to bring artists in and to show artists that are local. So that could be a show that we create for them. Maybe that one we're using a script that was already written and we're mounting a show that we just find fun and interesting. We could take part in the One Act Festival because I know the Dutney Players is always screaming to have more organizations involved in their One Act Festival and then possibly those shows going on to the Provincial One Act Festivals and stuff like that. And all of those are really good fits for this collective fringe shows. I had some FOMO when I went to the Edmonton Fringe last year, so I'm really wanting to look into possibly getting a show into the Edmonton Fringe and stuff like that. Oh my goodness. So with that, there's like, there's so many possibilities and it's like, which possibility do we go after first? Let's get this show where it needs to be and then move on to those possibilities. Katie, how do you stay organized? Airtable. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Airtable and Airtable, yeah. you just write on it with a dry erase marker. <laughs> uh, Airtable is like a online database, mm-hmm. like it's like a cell on crack, and <laughs> I use it constantly to and, coordinate and yeah. organize your life. Yeah, basically, you got just, a lot of million, you got a lot of projects going on, a million ideas wandering through your yeah. brain at any given point, and yeah. you seem to be very good at making those things oh, a real reality, a realization. Not only are you producing Henry V for Dudney, but yes. you have a gigantic Christmas party happening tomorrow at I your do. house. I do. Let alone this show and everything that seems like erratic players wants to fall into, but then you're also director for the film festival yeah. and you've got all these other ideas thanks the fact that the two of you have made this a reality and it now it it will come to pass and is going to exist brings me extreme delight and i cannot thank the two of you enough for doing the work it's so easy to have the idea then you get the email from the guy and you say oh that's great 
but there's so much work involved in the doing. And I think that maybe you realize that now is that it's not just the thinking about it and acting on it and the meetings for it. It's driving there in the middle of the winter. It's setting up and having a progressive meeting that has a functional reason for it and then finding other people to support it and do the work and labor for it as well. I cannot thank the two of you enough and wish the two of you nothing but success in this venture and the development of erratic players but a company and a collective is not two people alone i hope you find all of the production people that you're going to need for marketing for advertising for secretarial work and for all of the treasury stuff that you're going to need to do and develop going forward thank you very much i really appreciate that thank you well thanks for coming here today and talking to me about it i can't wait to hear more